So yeah, my student loans are are quite a bit. It's not that bad, man. You don't think that's that bad? I mean, if you're making Taiwan wages, then yeah, it might take a little while, but forty k, forty k U.S. Yeah, I've my ex uh, back in the day. She had like seventy five k. But why should and we that's, pay that's, them? That's why still we, nothing. Why should we? Why should I even pay them? Why should I go through the inconvenience of like? Giving them money I could be using to do something way better. Well, you did agree to it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was young and vulnerable. That's the oh, thing. Now that's, I'm coming up with that's how they get you. <laughs> and they, they give you the line like, oh, it's free money. Don't worry about it. You won't even have to worry about it until later. Yeah, I guess we can do it there. Word. So this yes. is Late Nights with Fraggle and Friends. But yeah, my loans, man, they're like 40K. You think it's not bad? Well, if you're asking the nomadic medic's opinion, he might say that it's doable and there's actually ways that you can go about But is there a reason, the Galeong? Is there there a reason? I mean, come on. I just told you everything, right? Mm -hmm. I'm considering changing jobs, Mm -hmm. moving to the sort of countryside in a big place with three huge bedrooms so I can get married and have a child. This is these are huge steps. I'm and not saying you have to pay or rather that the only way to do it is to pay off the loans. I'm just saying there's there's I'm ways to away money it. from my child. Right. <laughs> so if you have federal student loans, then my understanding is um, you ask me if they're federal student right. loans, right? So all the ones that have recently been forgiven, I've been getting emails and mm. none of them apply to me. Okay. None of them. So have you thought about filing for bankruptcy? Now, bankruptcy won't... I've thought about cannibalism. That's a, that's a good idea. Yeah, if uh, food gets a little more scarce and they outlaw beef and stuff. Yeah. It depends on who you eat. Bankruptcy? Really? Come on, man. Why well, would I even go through the effort? Why don't I just stay gone forever? Well, here's because the thing is that the interest is going to accrue, obviously, and, and I would love to go back to Jonathan Swift and his idea of eating babies... And all that. Whoa, but Jonathan Swift ate babies. Yeah, he he wrote a book called A Modest Proposal back in the late seventeen hundreds. His whole thing was that oh and, and Patty would appreciate this. His whole thing was um because of the, Patty and the Yank. Yeah. The because of the food shortages in England at the time, he was proposing that the best way to go around or about that was uh to eat little Irish babies because they weren't what? gonna be Productive. I mean, it was a satire, obviously, but uh, it's 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 a fun one. It's a fun one if if you can stomach that kind of humor. So oh, yeah, he, he was saying, yeah, babies would make uh, pretty good eating. They're you know, oh, white man. If, if you're a, into veal, a, that's a hard thing to do. I got no, I got no problem eating like a 35 year old athletic man. That's so stringy and but tough. A ba- but a ba- yeah, but if he's tough, yeah, probably good. Well, I don't. Like you, got, you got to wonder would a fat man taste better than a, you, than a lean man? You probably have to slow cook him. Depends. So you slow cook a fat man? Oh no, no. I was for, for the for the really lean, stringy ones. The lean, stringy ones. You slow cook them, and like a roast. I think let the collagen kind of melt. This is oh, getting dude, kind I of just, disturbing. I just, <laughs> I just, I just, I just uh, made some beef tendon broth. Mm-hmm. So I want to call it bone broth, but it's not actually bone broth, right? Because I use tendon. And I must have slow cooked it for about fucking thirty six hours. Right. Man. So the tendons are what you're gonna end up eating, but you gotta really cook them for a long time so that they soften up. But it's delicious, dude. I got two jars of like full jelly. 
you know, mm. jello. And then the tendon came out and I like marinated it in like honey and some sea salt and some cinnamon. And I was making it like a dessert meat. I'm squirming it, over here. And then, oh, I just finished it, dude. Otherwise, I'd give you some. Oh, good. And I would heat it up in the oven a little bit. So it kind of like try to like melt like butter when you eat it. My goodness. But it's so good for you. I'm, I'm oh, like a sure. big collagen advocate. I just feel like, you know, what could be more important as an aging man or an aging human? Dealing with your student loans. <laughs> just kidding. Paying my student loans would be more important than loading up on collagen. Well, Jeez, actually, man. I, I think collagen might be more important. I, I am of the opinion that your health should come first, but all the stresses from having this debt over your head. I'm not stressed about it. Well, that's fantastic. I'm stressed about my girlfriend wanting to have a baby. So the, the thing I was going to suggest is what I heard is if you have a federal student loan. Have a baby. And you can't pay it off, what you would do is you would apply for another loan to pay for that loan. Jesus so Christ. So now your Get federal student loan oh my God, is no. over, not over your head. And then you can claim bankruptcy. Do you people hear this? These are the worst ideas I've ever yeah, heard. Do not listen to the Nomadic Medic for your financial advice. Go and uh, speak to your accountant and other financial professionals. I'm going to have to agree. I'm sorry. Listen, I'm running. Okay? I'm on the run, and I'm going to stay on the run till I die. Bring out the mint jelly, people. I'm he's, on the run. He's on just, the lamb. I see no purpose. I can barely make enough to survive as it is, man. You know, there's a solution I, You know for exactly that, right? how much money I'm making, you know? And um, I make just enough to pay my bills, have an emergency fund, and have some savings. I ain't got no retirement. Well, you. I'm not saying you have to pay it all right now. I'm just saying there's there's ways of going about it. And I'm just saying, perhaps you might find yourself in a position when you have a nice family of your own, you'd be like, okay, you know what? I want to raise my family in the U.S. and not Taiwan. You're right. So if that was the situation. So that's the only reason why I'm proposing. Otherwise, I'd be like, dude, go and enjoy your life and explore the world and, and, and see if the bill collectors can come catch you when you're on your beautiful sailboat in the middle of the ocean. Our mutual friend, J-O-N, said, mm. you know, if you're going to go back home, you got to get a, a visa and you got to prove you guys both have jobs. Mm to stabilize her job and her green card and pay taxes and shit. And I'm like, fuck, man, fuck that. Cause my, uh, I'll get, um, my wage, my wages will get garnished. Right. And I'll just be making nothing. Very possible. I will be making absolutely nothing for probably 10 years. I'm not advocating responsibility, my friend. <laughs> I'm just saying there are ways and there are, there are thing, options that you might want to consider. Rob a bank. Yeah. The right one. That's, that's probably in that's Vietnam. A, that's a fast way to make probably money. Have you been to Vietnam? No. It's a terrible country. I, you know, it was on my list for a while until you started talking about it. Oh Jesus, <laughs> man! I, I experienced some shit out of the out of revelations mm. from the Bible. I don't know why. I'd been in Taiwan two years, mm. and I broke up with my the, the girl I'm with right now. I broke up with her, and I was like, "Fuck this country! Fuck Taiwan!" I packed all my shit, and I got on a plane. I flew to Vietnam. And I thought the grass was greener on the other side. Yeah, and I checked out some jobs before I went. So I landed in Ho Chi Minh to mm -hmm. a hostel my friend suggested, which turned out to be on the alley that was like the red light district. And so when I get on the airplane, I'm all high, and I fall asleep. And then I wake up, and I look at my watch, and the, the plane should have landed by now. But the time had changed, and I had forgot, and I start yelling at the stewardess. Mm. Like, the plane should have landed by now. What's uh -huh. going on? Sit down, sir. Sit down, sir. No. Look. We should have landed by now. Sit down, sir. Sit down. I'm, sit down all pissed off, and I start looking at my book bag, and I find a beer, and I'm like, 
oh, you're lucky I found a beer. <laughs> I drink this beer, and I'm like, man, when I land, I'm getting heroin and prostitutes. No, wait a second. I'm getting opium and prostitutes. Maybe not the prostitutes, but I'm getting opium. <laughs> but opium for sure. Um, And so I just land on the ground running and looking for, you know, drugs. And by the end of the night, I got drug dealers chasing me. It's a mess. I looked for a job in Ho Chi Minh for a very long time, but it was just walking up and down that street with prostitutes and drug dealers and then trying to teach in classrooms of 50 students. I, I gave up and went north to Da, to da, da Nang, mm-hmm. Da Nang, and then I went central to Hoi An and worked in the small city that was ran by the mafia. I worked for the mafia, so they tried to kill me, they drugged me, and then my motorcycle crashed in the river, my house flooded, I got food poisoning, and somebody stole my phone on Christmas, and then I got kicked out on the day after, and it was like, oh, Jesus, man. And then um, That's called a my hell of a tale. Called my mom, and I was like, can you buy me a ticket back to Taiwan, please? Just like, like right now. And she did. I came home, and my homie's here. One homie gave me an envelope of cash. Another homie gave me a scooter. And another homie gave me a bedroom in his house. And they were like, just get established. Thank goodness. And I was like, Taiwan is my home. And it has been ever since. Damn. That is a tale. And that was just the short story. And that was just one life that you lived. That was just one life. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's, that was just one life. That was just one life. How many lives we live. So I have a question for you. Oh, yeah, man. Shoot away. Did you find out about the time change from a drug dealer, a prostitute, oh, or who? The stewardess. The stewardess. Okay. So, you know, like so I was, I was kind of freaking out because I fell asleep and I woke up. Hmm. And when I woke up, I checked the time and I'm like, this ain't right. So I start freaking out and getting frantic and she sits me down. And once I cool down, I kind of realized the time. And I'm like, oh, duh. Jesus, now I feel like a fucking idiot. <laughs> and then I land just like, all right, opium dens. I had read Shantaram, which is my favorite book of all time. I've heard good things about that book. And I had just become really depressed and miserable in Taiwan because you, 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 Jesus, man. You know, they're turning that into a movie, right? They turned it into a TV show that uh, I already finished. Okay. Because I've read that book three times and the sequel once. And they, they used Charlie Hunnam. From Sons of Anarchy mm. to be Shantaram. I love Sons see, of you Anarchy. More than I do. Oh, man. All over that shit. That book was the inspiration in so many ways for the love story in my book. Mm. Love Shantaram. Love it. It's what inspired me to go to India. So you twice. recommend I read it then? Oh, my God. Paul, uh, Patty from Patty and the Yank. Patty is reading Shantaram right now. I bought a copy and he's reading it right now. Um, I told him it's the greatest book I've ever read. Okay. Greatest book I've ever read. Now I forgot what I was talking about. You uh, lived uh, quite a tale in Vietnam, and your mother graciously helped you get a ticket back to Taiwan, and you decided once you got back with all the aids of your friends, or the aid from your friends, that Taiwan was your home. And here you are. Yeah. Here we are in Taiwan. But you said you had a question for me. About the time change. Who who told you about the time oh, change? If yeah, it was a prostitute or a drug change. dealer, and you told me it was a stewardess. So many crazy things happen in Vietnam. Pardon Cam- me, flight attendant. Cambodia and Southeast Asia. They're creepy places. Mm. You know, you really experience the underbelly of the world. The world of ladyboys and prostitutes and underground drug cultures that smells like smoking plastic. Is it difficult to find if you're looking for it? No. You worded that question right, and no. Mm. And I was always looking for it. Mm-hmm. 
I was always, like, when I went to Hoi An, I was mm-hmm. searching out. I don't know. I was led to the gangsters. And then I was like, I like these guys. I want to find more. So mm-hmm. I found more gangsters. And then I was working with several different groups. Did it start with, like, a taxi ride and you just said, hey, man, where's the... I was in Da Nang bike? at a coffee shop with yeah. some people. And they were like, you know what? You should you should hang around a little longer. There's this guy coming. I think you'll like him. So I wait for this guy, and he's an Australian tattoo artist. And he shows up barefoot in this, like, wife beater. Hmm. We start talking about underground hip-hop, like Jedi mind tricks. Okay, nice. And um, nonfiction, immortal techniques, stuff like that. Fantastic. Dead prez. And we just start getting on. I'm tatted up. He's tatted up. And he's like, dude, you should just come live with me. And I'm like... For real? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right. How long, all right. Had, you, how long had you been in the country before uh, you At met? At that point, yeah. maybe three weeks. Mm. And I was just like, I was in Ho Chi Minh for like two two weeks. And I was like, fuck this shit, man. The air is so dirty. Mm-hmm. The place is so crummy. You're just looking for an excuse to get out. And like the classes time. they want you to teach are like 50 students. And usually it's like 50 minutes per class. Mm-hmm. And then you'll travel to another school. And teach another class for like fifty minutes, fifty students. Then you travel to another school. It's Jesus, just like you're getting run ragged. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. But you're always teaching about fifty students, no matter where you are in Vietnam. Yeah. At least in my experience. So that dude told me to come live with him, and I moved in with him. And he already worked for the the mob there, and so I started working for him too. And then and juggling this job with with the teaching of the students. I, I was look no at this point I wasn't teaching but I was looking for a teaching gig but I found one where I was teaching kindergarten fifty kids at a time, at the same time working for this bar, where my job was to go out and get drunk and recruit tourists and bring them into the bar to get mm-hmm. them drunk. And one day it's raining and I'm out there with an umbrella and a beer, you know, like a forty kind of drinking, to recruit tourists and yeah. there's nobody going in the bar, so the owner comes out and he's like, man. Fuck you. <laughs> he was like, fuck you. Nobody in my bar. Your fault. You're lazy. You just drink. You just drunk. And I'm like, dude, your fucking bar is way too far out anyway. Mm-hmm. And he like, and he walks away. And this white girl walks up to me like, you do not talk to him like that. I'm like, whatever. Fuck him. <laughs> and then I'm going home. Next day, this dude wants to come to work with me. And I'm like, all right, come to work with me. Take him to work with me. We walk up. We pass the tattooed dude that's selling weed. And who, who was this dude? Some rando off the street or what? Sort of. I'd like met him through hostels and stuff. You know, okay. he was obsessed with pineapple. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting pineapple thing tattoos. to be obsessed so, about. So he comes up and, the, and the, the dealer dude's like, you're tough, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, man. I'm from America. And he's like, yeah, real tough, right? American guy. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm American. I'm super tough. <laughs> what do you got? Hands me this, this joint. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, let's go. Start smoking it, hit it, puff it, pass it to my buddy. He's hitting it. I exhale. I'm like, that ain't weed. He's like, what? I'm like, that ain't weed. Mm -hmm. Exhales. He's like, should we go? I'm like, we should go. He puts it down the table. We start walking. We make it about four to six feet. We both like go straight down on the curb. And then I'm there like, what the fuck? What do you suppose it was? Where am I? I need to go home. Wait, do I have a home? And then this dude next to me is like, yo, man, we need to go to the hospital. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? He's bald and with a beard. He's like, we need to go to the hospital. I'm like, man, I don't even know you. And I'm like, I need to get my scooter. Mm-hmm. Wait, do I have a scooter? What the fuck? It took me like 15 minutes to come out of it. It was salvia. Ah. Uh. 
Eventually we divine come, mint. Eventually we come out of it, walk back past the bar, all the mobsters are laughing at us. And then we leave. And um I never went back there again. Last time I saw any of them, they kinda showed me this this shooting signal with a pen that has a bullet in it. And if you snap your thumb on the back of it, you know, you get this um ash. What's it called? Gunpowder. It'll it'll hit this gunpowder and shoot a bullet out of it. Really? And it's like a, a big pen. And he showed me that, like to to his neck, Jeez. symbolizing to me that it would be my neck. I thought, or I perceived, and then I went into hiding in my house until my house started flooding with water. Good grief! And then I got food poisoning. My roommate was like, "I'm out." I'm like, "I'm staying, man. I ain't walking in four feet of water." It was like three and a half feet of water, man, outside. And she was like, "I'm leaving." She carried her laptop above her head, went out there and walked through this huge flood all the way to a hotel. And I was like, fuck that, I'm staying in the house. I don't enough. know what to do. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Stay if you want. Fuck yeah. this. May I? Please. May I? That's my tale. I'm, I don't, I'm sorry that that's I just went one down tale, that man. tale, but that's, that's a tale, I guess. I was going to write a book about it. I think you should. But anyway, here we are. Drinking, Taiwan. Drinking Galleon. Dude, we're in Taiwan. You're here. We've met. You're leaving, and the coolest thing about this shit hmm. is in like two or three weeks, you're going to be listening to this, and you're <laughs> going to be like, man, when I was in that moment, it felt like it was never going to end. Right now, yeah. But then in the future, you're going to be listening to it and remembering this exact moment. It's funny you say that because um, oftentimes I'll find myself, on rainy days in particular, because in California, rain is you know not that often, it's kind of scarce. Um, but if it rains, then I'll go into the, my balcony and I'll smoke a rolled cigarette and just think about Taiwan and watching really? the mist coming down. Really? Yeah. Yes, yes. No way. You have that deep of a connection. Yeah. It's kind of wild. That's yeah. crazy, man. That's yeah, a very just, personal I just, relationship. I just, yeah. I just think about like the experiences that I've had in this country and I just kind of smoke that one cigarette. I don't smoke very often, not not at home at least, not back in California. It's not cool to smoke back there or out there. Yeah. Um, you have a deep spiritual connection with this place. I suppose so. Yeah. You know, for me, it's like it just kept me away from all the things I needed to stay away from. And to be frank, that was crack I mean, coke. It sounds like it was a good influence or a good, a good thing for you, man. Crack, like coke, heroin, and meth. They're not here. I can't get into it. And a lot of times I have a bad day at work and I'm like, man, I just want to get high. Mm. But in Taiwan, I can't do it. Do you suppose Taiwan is the the thing that keeps you from doing that just because of its unavailability? Well, I'm scared of going home. Because like, it might be around you. Might. I still crave it. Mm. And if I went home, I was living back home and I let's just say I had a, had a bad day at work. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to get high. And I know. It would be too easy to find I it. know I can just cruise to the hood right now. Yeah. And grab a Perk 30 or a bag of dope. And then all of a sudden, all my pain will be gone. Right. I can do that back home. I can't do that in Taiwan. And my parents know that. Yeah, and that's why they're not mad at me for being out here, I think. You're a different person now, though. You, you've grown so much since then. People say that. Although, I guess you, you would only really find out if you were there, right? People say that. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm strong enough to. And only you would be able to find out, right? Only you would be able to know. So you go back home or home. You go back to the U.S. when you feel like you're ready. I mean, the last time I went home, I was do. trying to like, it's just, you know, I, like I go home and it's like if I want to score meth, I can. Mm. 
I'm like a last moment home to visit. If I want to smoke, if I want to score crack, I can't. If I want to score heroin, I can. Like all this shit is just there. I can just get it. And even just going home for like two and a half weeks, I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm here on vacation. Why not? You know? Did you? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> a but little bit, yeah. But you didn't go crazy. I didn't go crazy, but I dabbled in a few things. And it's like if I was there permanent, would I be able to not do that? Hmm. I have an extremely addictive personality, and that's why I'm such a fitness junkie. I take how addicted I am to getting a rush. Right. And then I do breath holds and headstands and heavy weight training. And yeah, you might as well do a constructive thing, right? And saunas, because I need to feel fear, fear of death. I need to feel the fear of death. Mm, maybe, maybe that's the thing that... that paints my mind when I'm on motorcycles I have a tendency to go a little fast and always like feeling that just release of adrenaline that release of like being on the edge of of losing control that scooter ride in Taidung earlier yesterday yeah it was definitely pushing it I wrote about that in my book like that's the one that's the most liberating thing about being on a motorcycle is mm. knowing that at any moment it's all it's game over right at any moment. And something about that is utterly liberating. Mm-hmm. Knowing you could die at any moment. Yeah. And I think when I was really young, like middle school, that was what attracted me to writing my first short story about shooting heroin. Hmm. And it was about this dude that just went and grabbed some shit, went in a hotel, cooked it up, shot it up, and died. And I don't know why, but like that just gave me a, a release. But maybe it's just that dance with death that reminds you you're alive or makes you feel grateful you're alive or makes you feel or makes you realize how fickle life is Mm -hmm. because it's easy to forget and it's easy to think we're immortal man life is a fucking fickle thing truly you never know how fast it's coming or how quick it's leaving that's pretty deep man better hold on to that ride with both hands yeah, I guess so. Well, that might have been... That, that was 20 minutes. Already? It was 22. Damn, dude. But that was nice. That was very soft. <laughs> Good. This was, this was, ladies and gentlemen, this was late night. Late hours, yeah. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is late hours with Fraggle and Friends. Tune in for the next episode with, I don't know who yet, but you're going to like him. Because I'm going to like him. And me and no medic. Nomadic? Yeah, it's a tongue twister, right? Me and nomadic. Nomadic medic. Me and nomadic are checking out. Glasses clink. Sweet dreams.